All right. Woo. Glory to God. Hallelujah. All right. Good afternoon, everybody. Word of God says rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again. Rejoice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody got the joy of the Lord here today. Somebody got the joy of the Lord. Let me see somebody leap for joy. Come on. Let me see somebody leap for joy. All right. Those are some happy sisters. Hallelujah. Leap for joy. Hallelujah. That's what the word of God says. Hallelujah. Can't touch this devil. Cannot touch this. All right. Hallelujah. Uh, as I begin my message, obviously I wasn't here last week. Uh, Aaron and I were in Australia in the land down under for the very first time. Uh, we were invited by a former JSCM member, our sister Jen Sa, uh, working with her pastor. Uh, they invited us as guest speakers for their conference. Uh, so we went down there. And uh, hallelujah, God just did a mighty work down there. And he's stirring it up. Hallelujah. And we just saw a beautiful work down there with um, you know, a lot of young people there in the, in the ECF congregation there. And, and uh, through Pastor Robin, uh, he was so hungry to see God do a fresh work. And he was so open and teachable. And he was just, he was just so wanting uh, the move of God to hit his church. And, and praise the Lord that he, uh, God really answered that prayer. And as we were there, we're teaching and, and preaching. I mean, we, we got to lay hands on people. People came forward to get prayed for. They're getting filled with the Spirit, getting hit with the fire of God. And, then, and man, I can't keep those brothers and sisters from writing on my, on my Facebook wall now. They're just, they're just so overbrimming with joy because God's just does, done amazing work down there. So uh, I know some of them are tuning in to this message right now. So uh, a big shout out. Hallelujah. Down to Australia, to my brothers and sisters in Melbourne, uh, also in Sydney, uh, brothers and sisters in KCPC and New Life. Uh, Susie, uh, if you're listening from Onuri, you know, praise the Lord for what God's doing in your life. Hallelujah. God is, God is good. Amen? Amen. God is good. Big shout out to Eno's sister. I heard that uh, you've been listening to these podcasts. <laughs> I hope that you are continually blessed, sister. Amen. Hallelujah. You know how to identify an anointed man of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Get yourself under this teaching. Hallelujah. Now, when Aaron and I went to Melbourne, uh, the theme of the re- uh, retreat was called uh, transformation. Uh, somebody say transformation. transformation. So today, I'm going to talk about transformation because I think this is a word for JSEM as well. This is a word that our church needs to hear. If you look back to our passage today, Romans chapter 12, it might be something that's familiar to you. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. Let's read that again. Let's read it all together. Um, we're reading from the ESV. 1, 2, 3, go. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Hallelujah. It's the word of God. 
Hallelujah. The word of God commands us in this passage, be transformed. It's a command. Don't stay where you're at. Be transformed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, when you get saved, you get transformed. But you see, it's not the end. It's just the beginning. The word of God is saying here, is commanding us, be transformed. I want you to turn to your neighbor, point at them, says, you need some transformation. transformation. Say it with some attitude, you need some transformation. Trust me. You need need it. Pay attention, you need this. Now, according to this passage, how can the people of God be transformed? And the answer, because right there it says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. How can you be transformed? By the renewal of your mind. That's the main idea today. If you don't get anything, this is the main message today. The renewing of your mind is the cornerstone to all transformation. This is what I preached down in Melbourne. The renewing of your mind is the cornerstone to all transformation. It's like building a high-rise building. You know, they just built the Lota Castle right near uh, our place at Kongdo Goguri, where uh, Aaron and I are living. And we, we, we're on the 12th floor, so we can get a good, clear view of that construction site. And for a good two years, all I saw was just steel frames going up. Steel frames. And I had to look at these ugly steel frames going up to like, I don't know how tall this building is. It's like 50 floors, 40, 40 some 50 floors. It's a pretty tall building. And I was like, man, when are they, they going to like actually build a building? You know, they took all this time to build these steel frames. But when it came down, when the steel frames were done, the rest of the, you know, the decorations and windows and cementing and the inside, man, that was done in like a few months. The most important thing was they need to build that steel frame. And you see, the renewing of your mind is like the steel frame of a high-rise building. If you try to transform and be transformed without this steel frame, I'm telling you, you can build something. But the higher up you go, the more likelihood that when pressure comes, it's going to fall apart. The renewing of your mind is the cornerstone to all transformation. So that's what I'm preaching on today. Some of you might be asking, well, there's other ways that God transforms us. Well, why doesn't Paul say something like, be transformed by lots of prayer? Because, you know, God obviously transforms us when we pray and when people pray for us. Isn't that right? Why didn't Paul emphasize that? Why doesn't he say, be transformed by the forming of good habits? That's what the world tells us all the time. Just form some good habits and your life will be transformed. Why don't you say, be transformed by going to the gym more? By coming to church every Sunday. Be transformed by seeking charismatic experiences by the Holy Spirit. Which is what some of us do. Why doesn't Paul say these things? Why the mind? 
Why the renewing of the mind? And I believe this is because a person can seemingly appear transformed by doing and experiencing all these other things. But all transformation will be short-lived. It will be temporary. It will be superficial without a renewal of the mind. Let me tell you a story. In my youth group growing up, I had a, I had a brother that I knew, hallelujah, and he was the praise leader of our youth group. And he came from a, he came from a kind of rough background, kind of broken family. And uh, he came out to our church, and he seemed to be transformed by the gospel. And he seemed so transformed, we made him the praise leader. And so he was, he was leading praise. He spoke like a Christian. He acted like a Christian. He was leading praise every Sunday. But after he graduated from high school, actually, I don't even know if he graduated from high school. Okay, but yeah, let's say he did. After he graduated from high school, he forsook the church. Turned his back completely on it and everything to do with Christianity. I remember my freshman year at New York University. I remember waking up to a call from him. And he was calling me at like, like nine in the morning, man. Just woke me up. I was all tired, you know. You know what he was doing? Homeboy was bragging that he had just lost his virginity to a hooker. Yeah, that's, that was right. That's what I, I was like. Psst. What you bragging to me about? Why you waking me up at nine in the morning for that? And I was shocked. And I was like, are you my praise leader? What's wrong with you? And I thought maybe he was just struggling with his faith. I thought he was just backsliding because, you know, people do backslide like that. But a few years later, when I was reunited with him at a wedding, I was talking to him and I, I was shocked to discover he wasn't even a Christian. He wasn't even a Christian. My friend had experienced this outside-in transformation and he had fooled everybody. It was like a building, building a high-rise. It looked great on the outside, but there was no steel frame inside. And my church had applauded. We celebrated his transformation without discerning that he was not experiencing the renewing of the mind. He hadn't even experienced a renewing of the mind to the point of being converted. Brothers and sisters, let me say something. A distinguishing mark of outside in transformation all right, is that it is always dependent on the environment. It's always dependent. You know, once a person goes off to college, goes to a new city, once the youth group starts to struggle, the transformation that they experience, it dissolves, it disappears, and they begin to compromise their faith and go back to their old ways. What seemed like solid leadership and faith, when the environment changes, they all compromise. If you see something like that, when you see transformation that's dependent on the environment, but and sisters, that's not inside-out transformation. That's temporary. That's short-lived. That's a transformation that is, that is not accompanied by the renewing of the mind. But you know what? You give me a person who's experiencing the renewing of the mind. Give me a person like the Apostle Paul. 
or a Charles Spurgeon or a Hudson Taylor. Somebody whose minds have been renewed. Even if they don't have a charismatic experience of the Holy Spirit. If their minds have been renewed, I can place that person anywhere in the world. I can put them in Las Vegas. And I'll be confident that their environment will not lead to their compromise. Think about that. Think about that. Wherever Paul went, he became the salt and light of that town. And believe me, man, he went to a place worse than Las Vegas back in his day. It was called Corinth. And this is the generation. This is the kind of generation that I believe God is raising up at this hour. All over the world, God is pouring out his spirit and he's sending forth his word. And he's raising up a generation whose minds will be renewed. Where they're not tossed about like a wave in the sea. But they're solid in their faith in Christ. Where they go into an environment and their environment doesn't change them, but they change their environment. Hallelujah. That's the kind of generation that God's raising up at this hour. And if you want to be part of that generation, you got to pay attention. Make sure your transformation is accompanied by the renewing of your mind. Or else it'll all be short-lived. If you want to be that generation, you here today, let me hear you say, yeah. 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 Hallelujah. I, I believe you, okay? <laughs> Brothers and sisters, I know that many of you in here, you have a desire to be transformed. The, the closer you get to God, the more you approach God's holiness, the more you realize, man, I got to change. So all this stuff about me, I want to change. I want to draw nearer to him. And the more you change, the, the closer intimacy you're going to feel with him. Because he's a holy God. Holy God. If you want to, if you want to closer to his holiness, you better be holy yourself. As so you're going to start wanting that transformation. But if you're going to seek transformation, brothers and sisters, my word for you today is seek it the right way. You got to seek it the right way. There's no shortcut to permanent inside out transformation. There is no pill that I can give you today that's going to transform you. There is no impartation to the laying on of hands today. That's going to bring about that true inside out transformation. It's a long term work. And it's all based on the renewing of your mind. Transformation from the inside out is more like a marathon than a sprint. Hallelujah. Who's run a marathon in this room? Who has run a marathon in this room? Caroline, you run a marathon? Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. (laughs) Bless you, sister. Ask her about it. Hallelujah. True transformation is more like a marathon. Inside out transformation takes time, patience, and faith. And without this perspective, a person will get easily discouraged and despair. And many of us are being transformed already. And there are times when we, we, we experience a radical transformation. And then there are other times where it seems to go very slowly. But take heart, brothers and sisters. Because there's all these different areas that God's transforming one at a time. 
He doesn't come to you and say, all right, you want to get saved? All right, you want to surrender your life to me? You need to transform 100 things this week. God doesn't do that. Hallelujah. Glory to God for him. He just says, all right, you got, you got like, it's not 100. You got like 1,000 things we need to transform in your life. But let's deal with this one here first. And then you come through seasons where God teaches you certain lessons. And if you learn them, he'll take you to another lesson. If you don't learn them, he'll just repackage the lesson, send it to you again. You know what I'm saying? You know, so ever sometimes you open up the same package over and over again. You're like, God, I, I thought I learned this. No, you, don't know, you didn't. And hallelujah, whether you, you, you are experiencing radical transformation sometimes or whether you feel like it's going very slowly. Just take heart, brothers and sisters, because the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 3.18 that we with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into Christ's likeness from glory to glory. The people of God, they don't get transformed like that. You see, we go from glory to glory. We get glory to glory experiences. Where, where God transforms us in one area, we say, oh, glory to God. That's the glory of God being reflected through me in that area. And, but then God says, we're not through yet. We've got the other glory. Let's go to this glory. I say, all right, all right, Lord. All right, you want to you transform me in the area of my impatience. All right. And you get changed after a good season of that lesson. And you say, oh, glory. Hallelujah. I'm reflecting God's glory. And let's go to that glory. Hallelujah. Glory to glory. Take heart. If you are a Christian, you're already experiencing that. Even if you're resisting the grace of God, you are still experiencing transformation in your life. But let me say something. The renewing of the mind is the cornerstone for all transformation. You know what the day... The devil's favorite battlefield is. It ain't your body. You know. Devil doesn't always like. Attack your elbow every day. Like oh got him today. Oh, man that pain in my elbow. I can't live my Christian life no more. Right, it's not your body. All right. It's not this church sanctuary. You know. Usually hallelujah. He's just. He just doesn't like the smell in the sanctuary. And when the people of God get all hot. Red hot fat, fire and passion. And they start praising God. They start sweating. That smell, that sweat, Satan doesn't like that. It's not this room. It's your mind. Your mind is his favorite battlefield. Man, back in the day when I was in Philly growing up, I get into a fight. And we couldn't fight in school because we get suspended or kicked out. So we get into a little scuffle, a little pushing match. All right? Brother would be like, after school. Uh, where you want me? Where you want me? Behind the recreation center. All right. And there are certain bullies. They had their favorite like fighting spot. Like they knew that area. If you you went to fight in their area, I mean, you better know what that area is all about. Because he might just like, I don't know. Hallelujah. But the devil has his own favorite battlefield. He says, I'm going to get you in your mind. Your mind. Your mind. Is mine. Just got that right now. Hallelujah. His favorite battlefield is the mind. What's his favorite weapon? Lies. The father of lies. Why? 
because the devil knows Romans 12 too. That's why. He knows that he can, if he can mess with your mind, if he can slow down the renewing of your mind or delay it, he knows that he can delay your transformation. See, he's afraid of you when you're transformed. Well, he is not even, he doesn't even flinch when you're untransformed. He just laughs at you. He scoffs at you. He kicks you while you're down. He makes you smell his feet while you're down there. But brothers and sisters, that's not the position that God's people are supposed to be at. We're supposed to put the devil under our feet. Hallelujah. Amen. But man, he takes that seed of doubt. That seed of pride. That seed of fear. And he plants it right into your mind. And the more you look to that fear, the more you look to that lie, the more you look to that doubt. The more you keep paying attention to it, he, he throws it in. You're like, huh? Lie? Oh, oh, yeah. Or doubt? Okay. Oh, man, doubt. 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 You keep looking at it. That seed, you know what it does? It starts to choke the seed of God's word. And your mind just becomes a big, crazy mess. Like a kimchi chicken going wrong. You don't want you don't want nothing to do with that. Hallelujah. Alright, that was a bad one. Now, you see, your heart, your body, your will is very fickle. You know, your body can be like, Man, I want sleep. And you lay down, no, I don't want sleep. I'm hungry. And you start eating, now I'm not that hungry. You know, your mind your body's very fickle. Your will, you'll be like, Man, I want to go here. No, no, I want this major now. No, no, I want to marry her. No, I want to marry her. Right, you're fickle. It's fickle. It's fickle. But you know what? Your mind is the one area that once it, it's set, it's very difficult to change. There's a permanency to your mind. So you'll notice that Satan will attack your emotions. He will attack your appetites. He'll attack your will. But Satan, when he attacks those things, he'll always also go for your mind. So if you get attacked, for example, you, you get attacked in your body and you've been good with purity for a while, then months down the line, you just, you just mess up. You just look at something you shouldn't look at. You do something that you shouldn't do. You hook up with somebody that you, you used to hook up with. And the moment you give into that temptation, right, these thoughts come into your mind. And he said, you are a hypocrite. What a hypocrite. What a loser. You should be ashamed of yourself. You are nothing but a dirty pervert. You, how can you be a small group leader? You call yourself a small group leader. You can't keep doing what you're doing. And these lies accompany the attack that was thrown against your will, thrown against your body. Why? Why does those lies always accompany those attacks? Why? Because the devil's favorite battlefield is your mind. He's always going to use lies to slow down the renewing of your mind. Hallelujah. Let's turn down a little bit. I'm getting some feedback up here. Now, in the face of such attacks, the Bible tells us good advice. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, Take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. If the devil comes to attack you, you tell the devil, You liar! My effort to stay pure is not fake. It, I have a true faithful desire to stay pure. I might fail along the way. 
That doesn't mean my, my, my efforts are all wrong and it's all fake. Devil, you are a liar. God sees my heart. He does not despise my efforts. And if I'm honest with God, with my weaknesses, I might feel dirty right now, but I know if I confess my sin, he faithful and just to forgive my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And I can stand confident in the blood of Christ. I can go out and I can still serve the Lord. Standing forgiven. You got to take every thought captive, brothers and sisters. We got to be vigilant with this battlefield. A lot of times, what do, what do we allow our minds to do? We allow our minds to be filled with idle thoughts. Strange fantasies. And some of y'all waste all your day with strange fantasies of things that will never happen. You're like an elf world with elves and, and, and little munchkins running around. I'm like, what, what are you doing? Get to reality. Stop letting those idle thoughts go through your mind. Sometimes, man, when, I remember when I was younger. I just let these idle thoughts, man, I could date her. She's kind of cute. And I just played this through a whole scenario of her, me getting married to this girl. And I'm not even really that interested in her. And then right after, I'll be like, oh, that was fun. Let me go to this girl. Let me try with this girl. <laughs> That's idle thoughts. Waste of time. And on top of that, you keep doing that and lies will get start planning. Oh, you do like her. No, I don't. You do like her. Okay, I like her. I'm going to just call talk to her. I'm going to just I am her. And then, you know, girls, you know, you I am them like that. You know, you get conversation going. You know, they're very intimate. Girls are very intimate, you know. And the conversation is the way you know, open up their hearts, you know. You, you don't want to be all getting all intimate. I am is a very intimate thing. Getting a text message, that's a very intimate thing. Nobody else sees that text message except you and that person. So, brothers, don't be, don't be abusing that text message. If you're really interested in a girl, you talk to God about it first. Right, and then you, you feel leading, you feel like a blessing from God to go ahead. Then you pursue it like a man. You talk to her face to face. You ask her on a date. You don't do this sly, shady, like, you know, like, you know. I thought you looked great in your dress today. And then the girl's like, does he like me or does he not? Does he like me or does he not? And you're on the other side going, man, I don't really like her, but, you know. Right, girls? You're, th you're thinking that's cruel, but guys do it all the time. You know, let me, let me just see. Let me see what, she, what she'll bite at. Let me just see how she'll respond. Shady. Shady. That's the work of the devil. You got to guard our thought lives. You got to guard our minds, brothers and sisters. Watch out what you feed your eyes. What goes through your eye gate goes into your mind. What you look at, your magazine, sisters, what you read. What you watch on the internet, what you watch on TV, brothers. What goes through your eye gate goes straight into your mind. Watch your thought life. The Bible says, Philippians 4, 8 says, But as whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, then think about such things. We got to bring our thought life under control. That's why the renewing of your mind is the cornerstone to all transformation. It is such a key. And besides the devil's attacks, as if that wasn't difficult already, I'm going to mention three blocks to transformation right now. According to this passage in Romans 12, it mentions three blocks. Okay, look at verse 1. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, 
by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. You ever look at this verse? It says, therefore, I appeal to you, therefore, right? Whenever the preachers always say, wherever you see a therefore, you got to find out why it's there, what it's there for, right? What is it there for? Right? It's talking, it's referring to something. I'll tell you what Paul's referring to. He's referring to the first 11 chapters of Romans. That's what he's referring to. He does this whole thing with the first 11 chapters and then he takes a pause and says, therefore, if you don't read the first 11 chapters, you're going to miss the therefore. And what's mentioned in the first 11 chapters, I'll tell you what, God, what, what Paul does. He indicts his readers of sin and then he talks about the doctrines of grace. And we went over this a month ago. The doctrines of grace. Predestination. Election, right? He goes over the doctrines of grace. Why does he do this? Because it says, Romans eleven twenty five. he says, I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers, so that you will not be conceited. If you are ignorant to the mercy, if you're ignorant to how God saved you, if you're ignorant to the grace of God, you're ignorant to these doctrines of election and predestination, guess what? Pride, boasting, conceit is going to creep into your heart. The number one block to transformation is pride. It's pride. So therefore, Paul deals with pride for the first 11 chapters. Because pride is the number one block to true transformation. Pride is a transformation killer. A person with a teachable heart. A person who stays with a teachable heart, they will always be transformed. But the moment you lose it is the moment you stop transforming. Pride. Isaiah 55 says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my, your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God is not a man as if he should do things our way. Brothers and sisters, we got to rid ourselves of all pride. Don't depend on your own understanding and thinking. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. That means sometimes you're subject to correction. That means you can always be wrong. Not always be wrong, but you, know, you just got to know that you could potentially be wrong. Keep that kind of humble, teachable heart. Not be prideful, self-righteous like the Pharisees, like some of the religious leaders of today. They don't have teachable hearts because they're pride. And you know what? They're not being transformed. And you know what? God's not going to use them in a powerful way. Instead, he's going to go to the fishermen. He's going to go to even to the uneducated. He's going to go to the sinners. He's going to transform them because guess what? He can work with them a lot better than he can work with somebody who's got all the PhDs and all the demons in the world. Demons, hallelujah. Not demons. Doctorate of ministry, demon. All right, hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, let's rid ourselves of all pride. That's what I'm saying. Seek the renewal of your mind. You cannot seek the renewal of your mind without humility. That's number one, it's pride. Number two, according to this passage, look at, look at verse one again. It says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God, which is your spiritual worship. You know, many people interpret this text to mean, offer your hearts, offer your life as a living sacrifice. That's the way 
I'm telling you right now, that's the way every one of us interprets this verse. Because praise leaders, they quote it all the time. Bible study leaders, they quote it all the time. The Bible says, offer your life as a living sacrifice. And I think that's all right to say that. But you're missing the original text as well. Paul doesn't say that. What does he say? He says, offer your what? Your body. Offer your what? Oh, she got a fine body. (laughs) Exactly. Just like that. That's what he's talking about. Apostle Paul is talking about offer your physical body. That word in the Greek is not talking about life, your heart, some kind of like this kind of figurative language. He's using a literal one. He's talking about your body. What's it we, what are we talking about then? Talk about purity. Purity. You see, the Roman world was largely influenced by Greeks and the philosopher Plato. And they tended to disconnect the physical world from the spiritual realm. So a lot of times, Paul, a lot of times believers in that time, they didn't think their body had anything to do with worshiping God. So, you know, they will give themselves to impurity. And then as long as they give the spiritual act of worship in the, in the, in the church and they sing praises or whatever they did. And they offer sacrifice. They think that they were all right with God. And Paul says, uh-uh. Paul says, you got to offer your physical body. You got to keep your body pure. Keeping your body pure is in and of itself a spiritual act. How many of us think that way, though? We don't. That's why we pig out on ice cream. That's why we don't exercise. Why? Because we do not think that our physical bodies have anything to do with spiritual acts of worship. We think coming into the sanctuary and singing songs is a spiritual act of worship. We never think keeping my body pure is a spiritual act of worship. But Paul is saying that exact thing. So because the Spirit of God lives in you, your body is is a temple of the living God. Therefore, keep that temple pure. Honor God with your body. The second block to transformation is impurity, brothers and sisters. Is impurity. Is impurity. You mess around with all kinds of lustful things, that's going to slow down your transformation. Let me tell you that right now. You got to nip that thing in the bud. You got to stop it. You got to learn to cut that thing out of your life. If it's internet, then you need to learn to go on the internet fast. If you know that after the hours of 10 and 2 a.m., that's when you're most vulnerable, then don't go on the internet during that time. Jesus said, if your right hand calls you to say, cut it off. (laughs) Cut it off. Oh, hallelujah. You want to worship God in spirit and in truth? You want to worship God in spirit? You want to spiritually worship God? Paul is saying, keep your body pure. That's what he's saying. Somebody say pure. The Bible says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Not pure just in the body, but God also wants you to be pure in your thought life. Once again, dealing with the mind, right? But if you will keep purity in all of its aspects, you will continue to be transformed. There will be no block hindering you. And in, in verse 2, deals with the third block. Says, verse 2 says, do not be conformed to this world. Third block to transformation, worldliness. Worldliness. 
You surround yourself with worldly values, worldly news, worldly information. All you talk about is worldly, 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 worldliness. David, give me an example of worldliness. What's an example of worldliness? The economy, okay. If you are obsessed with the economic crisis right now, and you are just, all you're thinking about is, you know, how is the economy going to turn around? What am I supposed to do to, to make sure that I don't, I lose the least amount of money, all that stuff? That's worldliness. See, the people of God, they have a different economy, brothers and sisters. And in the times of famine, the Bible, God always prospers his children and makes them shine in times of famine. It's in the time of famine that God told Isaac to plant a seed and he produced a mighty harvest. You think, man, how do I minimize my losses? And God is saying, man, why can't this brother wake up and see that this is the hour of his prosperity? You see, not every one of you will get this. Some of you, five years from now, you're going to be, doing a, you're going to be having a hard time. Because you know what? You took, you, could, you took the economic crisis and you took it into your own hands. You try to control all the different circumstances. And guess what? You get what you, you sow. But if you were... You will sow a seed into the kingdom of God. You would invest. You give. It's easy to give when the economy is doing well. But it takes faith to give when the economy is upside down. When the dollar rate's so high that your current one just doesn't look too good no more. Hallelujah. That's when you got to give with faith. Worldliness. Worldliness. All right. It's third block. Let's go on. We took, talked about three blocks. Let's talk about three ways that you can position your mind for renewal. You can position your mind for renewal. Number one, you eat the word of God. The more you read, study, meditate, and memorize the Bible, the more your mind will be renewed. Amen? Amen. There's no other way around it. If you can't, get the, if you can't deal with this, you will not experience the renewing of your mind. And you will not experience true transformation. Feed on the word of God. Don't just feed. This is what I said in Australia. Feast on the word of God. When you find something good, what do you do? You don't snack on it. You feast on it. When you go to a good buffet... You try to get up and make as many trips as you can. And if you're smart, you scout out everything there. And then you go to the good stuff first. Man, we got to approach the word of God like we approach a buffet, brothers and sisters. Feast on this. If you will feast on the word of God, your mind will be renewed. Jesus said something interesting. He said, he taught this very difficult teaching. He said, my, my body is real flesh and my blood is real drink. If you do not eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will have no part with me. And to us, that's like, oh, beautiful symbolism. Oh, Jesus, you always know how to say it the right way. That's the way we think. But to the Jews, that was disgusting. Because drinking blood was forbidden by Jewish law. And eating even just any kind of unclean animal, like Sangyapsar, Man, to the Jews, Hamgipsar was like dirty, it's nasty. 
Just like that. Yeah, exactly. Just coughing. Ew! If Sanghavsai wasn't enough, cannibalism, what? Jesus, you're, you're sick. You're sick in the head. You're sick in the head. Multitudes of people stop following him. And then Jesus said something interesting. He said, my words, they are spirit and life. Never really understood what that meant. It is a deep thing. You're not going to get this today. But just get that seed in there. Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. My words is not just a sound going out. He's saying, my words is not just a good teaching that, that's worth taking notes on. My words are spirit and life. Jesus turned to his 12 apostles and was like, are y'all going to leave too? And Peter's like, man, you guys really strange today, Jesus. I don't know why you're teaching this stuff. Jesus, where can we go? You have, you just told us, you have the words of eternal life. You have the words of life. Where can we go? That's, what, that's how Peter responded. And I believe he was speaking by the spirit of God. Because Peter probably in his own fleshly mind, he was thinking, oh man, I need to get out of this as soon as possible. I thought he was going to go to Jerusalem and take the throne. But man, this guy telling me to eat his blood, drink his blood. I don't want to drink your blood. Jesus, I don't want to, what, I got to eat your thumb now? I don't want to eat nothing. Nasty. Aliyah, see, Jesus was speaking. He was saying, my words, they are spirit and they're life. See, if you take this word more than just the teaching, and you take it more than just ways to improve your life, but you realize that the words of God, that the very words of God, they are spirit and life. You get this word in you, and something comes alive. You get this word in you, and your spirit gets stirred up. You get this word in you, and you will be transformed. The word of God says, Hebrews 4.12, that the word of God is living and active. Living and active. It's like the word of God is almost like a person, just living and active, just living, just living, yeah, let me see what I'm going to get today. Let me see what I'm going to deal with in your heart today. And as you read, the more you, you expose yourself to it, that word is living. He's going to get you. Discern the thoughts and intents of your heart. And active. Yeah. Come on. Let's get that lie out of your mind. Let's disguise that. Let me build some towers of truth here. Most of the times, it's screaming out from a closed book. And we say, oh, yeah, we should, I should read the word. I'm a Christian. I should go to that. I should read the word. But I'm reading through numbers right now. Who wants to read through numbers? I don't want to read through numbers. Actually, numbers is very fun. If you read numbers, man, it's got some crazy stories. It ain't just, just numbers. Let me tell you that right now. Hallelujah. But we need to get the word of God in us. Not just the word of God, but let me tell you something. Get podcasts. Get, your, get a hold of books. All right, you see a bookstore back there? Get a hold of books. If you, don't, if you ain't reading Christian book, how many Christian books have you read? If you can count it on one or two hands, all right, you is not feasting on the word of God. But guess why? Because there's a lot of great teachers out there. God is anointed. God's chosen. God's revealing things to them. And he's using them to teach this generation. And we will have no excuse. When we go to heaven, God will be like, why didn't you read all the resources that I made available to you? 
Why didn't you lead? Why don't you listen to all the sermons that I made available to you in California, in Texas, in San Antonio? Hallelujah. In Seattle. Praise the Lord. Wonderful churches I raised up. Teachers that you have never gotten to listen to. But through this podcast, through Apple computers and through the podcast technology, I made it available to you. Why didn't you listen? You slowed down the renewing of your mind. When I was calling up a generation that needed to accelerate it. And you're going to be like, well, well, well Lord, I, I, I was using a Windows PC. And God will say, depart from me, <laughs> you worker of iniquity. <laughs> no, I'm playing, I'm playing. Hallelujah, I'm playing. <laughs> I'm playing, I'm playing. Praise the Lord. All right. If you don't listen to podcasts and books and stuff, get yourself connected, brothers and sisters. Because God will teach you a fresh word, fresh teachings from that. And your mind will be renewed. Man, my mind gets most renewed when I got Charles Spurgeon looking over my shoulder teaching me stuff. When I get a man of God, like Martin Lloyd-Jones, just teaching teach me, teaching me. When I got a crazy plumber named Smith Wigglesworth, he's not a very good teacher. But he just tells me stories of how he works in the miraculous and heals people. I read that, and it's almost like I'm almost accompanying him to his revival meetings. And I'm almost like watching what he's doing. And I'm like, oh, that's the way the anointing flows. That's the way healing goes out. Brothers and sisters, get connected. Just because a man of God is dead does not mean that he does, his voice is not screaming out still. How do I position my mind for renewal? Feast on the word of God. Get as much of the word of God as, as you can in you. Number two. Second way to experience renewing of your mind, serve people. Let me tell you something about serving. Serve at a church. Go on a mission trip to a third world country. Interact with people you like and dislike. Do something kind for a stranger. Just serve people. Give to the poor. Just serve people. Get committed and serve people. When you serve people, your mind will be renewed. But let me tell you something. You just take number one, and that's all you do is you take number one. You go into an office, and you just study, start studying this thing. You're like, yeah, that's good. That's great. You start reading books. Yeah, wow, that's great. And you're just renewing your mind that way. You get into, you're feasting on the word of God. And you're like, well, I'm, t- I'm doing what you told me to do. Okay. Your renewing of your mind will be shallow. You see, there's a renewing of your mind that you get on the field that you cannot get inside an office. And if all you do is just read the word of God and you just see how God's, what God's teaching you for that day and all it's about is you, you, you. And there is no selfless heart. Your mind will be renewed only to a certain limit. But the moment you step out and you start serving people, you start building up the church, you get committed and you stick with your commitments and you don't just interact with people you like. You interact with people that you dislike. That people that would annoy you. That people that aren't even like you. You interact with all kinds of people. Your mind will be renewed. Let me label a person. All they do is just study the word of God in the office. Let me label that. Let me label it, right? I'm pretty upfront, right? Pharisee, that's what it's called. 
Can I get an amen? As a Pharisee. Just study the word of God. They're sinners. I'm not touching. I'm not eating with them. Jesus, how could you eat and drink with those sinners? And Jesus is like, man, it's the sick who need a doctor. Come on. Man, can't you see the work of God that's being done right here? Just by me even just fellowshipping with them. God's doing a mighty work right here. The Pharisees couldn't see it. Because all the renewing that they knew was inside of an office. Get on the field and serve people, brothers and sisters. If you're not connected and you're not serving and you are available here at JSCM, let me say something. Get connected. Serve people. Even if it's a humble way, the humblest way is the best way to renew your mind. You just do something real humble. You stay faithful with the small things. God will entrust you with big things. You try to be faithful first with the big things. Guess what? You're going to fall all over the place. Ain't nobody going to trust you. Ain't nobody going to work, want to work with you because you don't have character. You don't know how to submit. You don't know how to get other people to submit because you never submitted yourself. No renewing going on there. Serve, brothers and sisters. Go out to the missions field. That's why a lot of people, they experience transformation when they go on the mission trip. They go over there and they're just like, it's so dirty. Hallelujah. I can't breathe. <laughs> wow. I'm telling you, those, those little experiences like that, it will renew your mind. It will blow your mind wide open. Third. Third. Lastly, in order to position yourself for a renewed mind, you got to get filled with the Holy Spirit. You got to get filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us God's Spirit is a spirit of wisdom and understanding. First Samuel 10.6 Samuel said to King Saul, the spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you will prophesy and you will be changed into a different person. And for Saul, it was temporary. But for you, God's working on something permanent. Back in the Old Testament days, God's spirit came on people and left them. But today, God's not interested in doing that. God's interested in coming upon people and staying with them. If you will only cooperate, if you will only surrender, if you will only submit. You want to renew your mind, you got to get filled with the Spirit of God. 2 Corinthians 3.18, once again, it says, We, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. You don't have a good relationship with the Spirit of God? The renewing of your mind will be, once again, very short-lived, a lot of book knowledge. You might even go out on the mission field. You know what? Check this out. Let me, give you some, let me give you some hard facts. I had six years with Campus Crusade for Christ. We were awesome in getting students to get their quiet time in order, to get them to read the Word of God, get them to know the Word of God. We teach them the Word of God. We disciple them. And we are great also at sending students all over the world. One time I was a missions director. We sent 120 students to 12 different countries all over the world. We sent, what, 24 people from here. For one week. I sent 120 students on six-week trips all over the world. I mean, we're great. Campus Crusade is great. Getting people the word of God and getting people to serve. But I know of students that went to missions fields. Went to not one, not two, not three, but like a lot of mission trips. And even served for six months, one year, out on the missions field. And then they come back. And they compromise. 
They don't live a Christian life. And they stop going to church on Sundays. And that part always boggled my mind. I was like, how can you do that? Were you faking it the whole time? Were you putting up a front? How can you do that? How can there be students like that? Not just one, but a multitude. And man, that, that almost jaded me to college ministry. That almost jaded me. Like, I don't want to do college ministry anymore. These students, man, they're all fakers. They go on these trips. They, they pretend they're transformed. But guess what? When all that disappears, and all that environment's gone, they just compromise. They don't honor the Lord with their lives, with their body. I don't want to do college ministry no more. Thank you very much. No more. And I realize it's this element of the Holy Spirit being filled with the Spirit that was missing. You see. You get baptized with the Spirit. You get filled with the Spirit. And you learn to depend and walk in the Spirit. Oh, your changes will be permanent. If it wasn't for my experiences at Youngstown for the last year, I think I would have just turned my back on college ministry and just done church ministry. But I, 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 still, I still am very passionate about college ministry. Why? Because, man, these students from last spring semester, this fall semester, they got hit by the Spirit of God. Got hit with the fire of God. They go back to their dry church. They go back to their liberal campus. And guess what they're doing? They're starting Bible studies. They're starting prayer movements. And I'm like, wow, there is a real transformation going on there. They still need the word of God, mind you. They still need to serve. But they got the spirit, the spirit of wisdom and understanding. And as they are filled with the spirit, the anointing teaches them all things. And they are led into truth. Because the Bible says, Jesus said, the spirit of God is a spirit of truth. And when he comes, he will lead you into all truth. But a lot of times, what do we do? We don't depend on the Holy Spirit. We don't get filled with the Spirit. A lot of times, we depend on human teachers. You know, some people, I love John Piper. But some people idolize John Piper. I'm sorry. That is not honorable to God. If all your teaching comes from one man, you are in big trouble. Because that man's going to have holes. That man's going to have weaknesses. And all you're going to end up doing is take on on his weaknesses and doubling it. Because you're not aware of it at all. It's the Spirit of God. The anointing of the Spirit that ought to teach you all things and to lead you into all truth. That's why it's so important for us to be filled with the Spirit and depend on his discernment. The discernment that the Spirit of God gives us. To eat the meat and throw out the bones. Eat the meat, throw out the bones. Eat the meat. Somebody say, eat the meat. meat. Throw out the bones. That's how we eat fried chicken in JSCM. And I think that's the way they eat it all over the world. But what what we do with fried chicken, we can't seem to do with the word of God and the teachings of God. We got to depend on the Holy Spirit. Get filled with the Spirit. And on top of that, man, get filled with that fire. Oh, fire. That'll transform you. It'll burn you. It will purge you. You will spread that fire. You get hit with the fire, you, you, you fan that fire, 
your fire will transform you. Hallelujah. But that's another message altogether. Brothers and sisters, we want to be transformed. Amen? Amen. So let us do the things that are going to renew our mind. And when you do prayer, when you come up for prayer, yes, you, you will be transformed. You will be changed. You will be blessed when you get prayed for. But remember, without the renewing of your mind, that will just become an experience to you. Do you understand, brothers and sisters, what I'm saying? This is a weakness. This is a vulnerable point of our church. Don't you understand this? Because our church is so moving in the Holy Spirit and so infatuated with the giftings of God and the power of God. The danger is that we're going to experience transformation on the outside with these experiences. Oh, yeah, you were at the revival. I was at the revival. That revival was powerful. Therefore, you must be transformed. You must have been transformed. You must have gotten transformed. And the whole time, the persons were not renewing their mind. The person got the same, was there at the same altar call and got blessed and, and cried. Look, tears is not an indication that you were transformed. It's the renewing of the mind. That's the cornerstone. The tears are nice. But it's, it's not the cornerstone, brothers and sisters. So, brothers and sisters, my encouragement to you. Hallelujah. Get that word inside you. Serve people. Get filled with the spirit. Be humble. Hallelujah. And get under authority. Because if you want the anointing to flow in your life, you need to get under authority. If you don't have covering in your life, you just a, you just a little rogue Christian going from church to church. You're a church hopper. You're a little bunny church hopper. Hallelujah. All right. Now, the anointing ain't going to flow into your life. You're not going to. You're going to be tossed about like by the devil. You need to get committed to a good local church where the word of God is being preached, where the spirit of God is moving. You get that anointing on your life. The spirit of God will teach you all things. He'll renew your mind. You'll be transformed from glory to glory. Not from glory to defeat. From glory to victory. From glory to glory. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Come on. Hallelujah. All right. Lord God, we just praise you, God. We thank you. That you are the God of our transformation, Lord. You are the Lord of our transformation, God. And Lord God, our prayer is that where our minds are stubborn and our pride won't let us go. Our prayer today is that God, that you would do a fresh work of transformation today. You will start a fresh work of transformation today. I pray that the people of God, they will stop just seeking power experiences. They would start to seek the renewing of their mind. If they're going to seek transformation, there's no other way by which we will experience true permanent transformation. And Lord God, our prayer is that for each and every person in the church, that they will reflect your glory ever more purely, ever more clearly. That Lord... That you will purify our faith like gold. So that, Lord, when you look down upon us, you will see a reflection of yourself. You will see your glory. You will see your goodness. You will see your righteousness. You will see, oh God, Lord, your reflection in our lives, oh God. Transform your people, God. Transform your people, God. Renew our minds, oh God. 
We come against the lies of the enemy, the works of the enemy that are going on in our minds and our thought lives, oh God. We want to cast down, oh God, Lord, and bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, oh God. That Christ will be Lord and that we will love God with our whole mind, oh God, Lord. And truly be transformed. It's our prayer, God. In Jesus' name, amen.